podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yeah, I'm on. This is Walsh. This is the first and last time I'll do this intro, but since we have new listeners, new season and shit, let's just do one, get get it over with. Um, we record weekly, release on Monday nights, New York time, usually. Today is a Tuesday. Um, you can subscribe on any podcast app or iTunes. Give us a rate and a review on iTunes. Other people can find us that way. That would be very nice and kind of you. Um, we're on all the social media shit. Mostly Twitter is where we're most active. Um, and definitely email in any questions, rate my teams, all that kind of stuff. To FMLPL at gmail.com. We'll get back to you. I think that's basically it. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Well, um, we'll have other shit coming soon. Okay. So this is kind of first focused of three preseason pods that we have planned. Um, great, tremendous fan of the pod, Barrick Chaudhry. Um, I think from... Dallas or some fucking place in Texas. Mm, like that. Uh, suggested this year uh, that we kind of talk about preseason players by price bracket instead of going through team by team by team because it kind of gets muddled there. So the thought process here is we're going to start today with the premium price brackets by position forward down to goalkeeper. Um, and then next episode two, we'll talk about those mid price bracket like more like you know the eight five to seven million forwards you know the seven million mids five five and a half defenders kind of thing and then third pod will go deep dive with the budget options those promoted sides the four or five defenders the six and a half and under forwards those types Uh, but we thought you know sexiest time to think to start with would probably be the premium budget uh, strikers so let's jump in yeah, it's the most fun. I like this method because, yeah, it's less confusing and it's kind of how you build your team. I feel like right. is what's you can only to me. you can only fit in X amount of the premium budget guy, uh, right. premium strikers, and they're all competing against each other for spots in your team. So exactly looking at them in isolation felt like a good way to attack uh, our preseason pods this year. So. Uh, starting off, really realistically, we have Kane, Aguero, Lukaku, Lacazette, Gab Jesus, and then we kind of have miscellaneous Chelsea striker. Uh, we have Costa in there at 10 right now, but he'll probably be replaced by someone else in a similar 10-ish region. So let's start with Kane. I mean, we were big on Kane last episode when we were just giving our raw FPL emotion. And, I mean, he's stuck in my team since then. Still feels like the number one captaincy option to me, even though they have the Wembley factor. Uh, you know, we, we touched on the value at Tottenham midfielders, but even though he's 12-5, he hasn't really budged too much for my team. Uh, it's hard for me to see past him, even, even with the question mark of the home fixtures. Are you still on that same boat? Yeah, I feel very similarly on him. I mean, I misspoke last week. I said he had back-to-back-to-back golden boots. It's only back-to-back. But the year before that, he had 21 goals also. It's like it's kind of weird to even have to defend Kane. It's almost like if you played FPL last season and you didn't have him for like the second half of the season, like you just went down a lot all the time because he was just insane. 
and finished and caught up to Rom easily and just destroyed everything. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's very, the- very hard to not have him in your team or to reason any of the other strikers ahead of him, I think. Yeah, I mean, he was on 36 returns and he missed a handful of games last season, which is pretty outstanding. The captaincy option gives him value, even though he's not going to be inherently valuable at 12-5. Because you're going to be captaining him, that's where you're going to be getting those double points and where, where he will be getting value. So I still think that even though their fixtures are a little bit mixed and, and some people I've seen plenty of teams without him, you can shed $2 million off your budget and go down to Lacazette or someone in that region. I think it's just, it doesn't feel great to me. and It feels like the captaincy route goes through Kane unless been taught otherwise and ever since he's been in the first team been fit he's just he just prints FPL points yeah it's one of those things where most people probably put them put him in their first draft and then people have kind of tinkered and gotten him out and obviously it feels good to have extra money when you're tinkering but I don't know at some point you got to just make a decision like I've kind of made that decision with Heaton at goal like, I just don't want to get rid of him. Like, I mm-hmm. think he's the best, and I think he's going to score the most points. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, and that's kind of how I feel with Kane. It's like, mm-hmm. I really like Lacazette and others, and they're all cheaper, but I don't know. I mean, he finished the season. Like, <laughs> he had seven goals in two games or something. But not even that. Like, from February on, he yeah. blanked twice and had, like, at least 15 goals. Like, it was yeah. fucking crazy. And they are really good away, and I mean... Yeah, the Wembley factor is weird, but I don't know. It could influence them, and it could make a big difference in our captaincy choice. Definitely. If it looks like they're really struggling to score two goals at home in Wembley, then we're going to have to rethink that. Those home bankers aren't going to look as good, but they're also the advantage that we see with Spurs, unlike a lot of the other sides, is that they're so settled, and they don't have any uncertainty besides where they're playing their home games. That's so, I mean, exactly you know, what I was going to say, yeah. They're, everyone else has their own variables or their own things that they're up against, whether new team, new country, rotation risk, etc. But Kane just has none of those. Yeah. So Kane at 12-5, you're paying for the points, but it feels like a good place to go. Yep. Uh, so yeah, he's in both of our sides, and that, that's probably not going not gonna to shift. Uh, yeah. Next, next though, we've got to really talk about the Aguero versus Lukaku thing because are both natural first inclinations when we saw United's fixtures, we saw Lukaku transfer over, we're far, far from being United fans. But we both were very excited about Lukaku's FPL prospects. We were picking him up last week on, on the pod. But after kind of doing some more thoughtful consideration, we kind of are looking on the other side of the coin, the, the Kuhn side of the coin. So what are you, what are you thinking? Well, yeah, I mean... We we went in on Rom last week. There's not that much more to be said. I mean, with the the same fixtures last year, he scored like seven goals. Like he was, you know, he usually dominates lesser teams, and that's that's their opening to the season. So it's very hard to go without Rom. But when you look at Kuhn being the same price as Lukaku, coming off the by far best season of his life, like scoring percentage goal conversion percentages that are extraordinarily high, like abnormally high. And then you look at Aguero, who's coming off like a very bad, quote-unquote, season for him, a very down year, and he still scored 20 goals. His conversion rate was very low last year. Very 
abnormally low. He has a much larger sample size of like dominating FPL and just being the best player in FPL. And I don't know, it just we both kind of just turned the similar corner to be like, wait, what are we talking about? Like going into the season, Aguero and Lukaku are the same price. City, who are going to score almost 100 goals versus United, who are going to score like, what, 65, 70 goals? And then like Aguero got like red cards and weird shit last year. And it just seems like how could he not be competing for the golden boot? That's what he always does. Aguero's kind of the... When he's fit, you know he's going to be returning for you. He lost some of that explosiveness last season because of his conversion rate was abnormally low for his uh, his career numbers, but he was still ticking along, scoring every week at the second half of the season. City are very interesting last year in that the first half of the season, Pep was fucking with the team so much, changing the the four like the fucking formation every week and players coming in and out. He got the red cards, like you said, but in the second half of the season, they were pretty consistent for team sheets, and Aguero was playing center forward ahead of Jesus um, for most of those those games at the end of the year, even though they were both flourishing. He's in a pretty settled team with a lot of firepower behind him. Pep does not shut up shop when they're up 2 nothing and, and go for the 2-0. They're going to score 4-plus in a lot of games, and we still have Pens is in the balance. We don't know if Aguero's going to be back on Pens or not, or Jesus will be on Pens, but with Lukaku, you, you got the fixtures. Those fixtures for United opening season are outstanding, but there is at least a little bit of risk going with Lukaku because he's making the move of his career. He's still very young. He's proven that he could do it for a side like Everton. He has a lot more firepower behind him, a lot more supply. They're going to have a lot more possession. He'll probably get more chances per game. But I'm, I know that Lukaku will be in my side this season at some point, and I know that he will represent value at some point at 11-5 because he has proven to be almost a goal-a-game striker in the Premier League for Everton. But there is also the chance that he just doesn't come out of the gates firing. It's a huge move, and it's a big psychological thing for him, especially in a World Cup year where he's going to want to really have a big season. If I if I miss a couple weeks of good games and then I figure, okay, I really need to get him in, I'm getting burned because of the ownership, then I'll, I'll do that. I mean, that's how you react. But at the same time, Aguero has an absurdly huge differential at the same price. This is the lowest price he's been in four or five seasons in FPL. When he's the main man, if he gets his conversion rate back in line with what he's been for his career, he gets, you know, Lukaku gets assists as well, but Aguero's always getting assists too, and I just think that he's gold, and I feel a lot more safe with that settled city side um, than Lukaku yeah. moving from Everton to United. So I'm, I'm on Aguero. I took Lukaku out. I put Aguero in, and it feels a lot just safer and, and more comfortable to me. You're looking at Lukaku getting a price hike of $2.5 and, and you're looking at Aguero getting a price decline of a mil and a half. And Lukaku's best season, he'll probably earn 11 and a half. If Aguero stays fit, he will provide value on 11 and a half. Yeah, that's really end of. I mean, there's just, if he stays fit, stays out of red card trouble and stuff, you just have to look, like you said, at the second half of last season. I mean, I think producer Nate, like, barely even checked FPL because he was on tour and he just left his captaincy on Aguero and he flew. Like, he, from March 5th onwards, he only blanked in two starts. 
Like, he was just ridiculous. So consistent. So good. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. we we both made that change. I feel like that, that's a fucking huge change already. Huge change. I Preseason feel that- is so nuts for all the shit all the yeah. time. I mean, unless the Figueroa gets hurt, I'm I'm not going to turn on this one. It feels just right. It feels like I was hyped, just like hyped into Lukaku because everyone is a United fan and everyone's fucking beating off so hard to Lukaku at United. But then I'm just thinking, Kuhn is the best thing of fucking life. I mean, in the we world. are the Kuhn fan club. Yeah. When, and, Kuhn, and, when, when Kuhn is less percent owned than like Josh King, Dwight Gale, and Ben Teke, like something is wrong and we're taking advantage of that. And Lukaku's 10% higher ownership than Kane. Like, I don't know. Something yeah. is fucked. Yeah. And okay, I feel like so we're then ahead let's. Of the curve there. Yeah. I hope so. I mean, or we're just, we're going to get fucked by Lukaku's ownership and he's in a yeah, And then we'll just swap and whatever. Yeah, we'll swap. We'll react. Next, we got Lacazette is kind of the big rogue X factor at 10.5. Gabby G at 10.5 as well. So I think we didn't really talk about. Jesus in the same context as Aguero, but a million off from Aguero. I think he's going to be great this year. I, I just think if if you have Aguero at only one million more, and and he was playing center forward instead of Gab, and Gab was kind of playing on the wing a little bit, feels a little safer with Aguero. You know, fit. But I could see Jesus providing a lot of value at ten five. Yeah, absolutely. It's just the uh, the position is really everything. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're paying that much for a premium forward slot, you want them down the middle. Yeah. And Kuhn doesn't really have that flexibility of playing winger. And yeah. they bought Bernardo Silva. Like who knows? It's Gab's Gab's still really, really young, even though he's fucking incredible. And Pep loves him. Yeah, it seems like based off the end of last season, Aguero should be center forward and then yeah. everything everything else will fall into place around him. Yeah. And then Lacazette, I mean, big time move from Leon to Ars. I think that he's going to probably be great this year, but it's the same kind of thing where there is that seed of doubt in my mind, just like Lukaku. A big move, big change, even more so than Lukaku is a new league. You just like don't know how these players are going to settle. And as good as he looks and as good as the system seems to be suited for him, I'd rather be a week or two late to the party and see how he does in the first few game weeks than jumping early and then maybe suffering some price drops if he doesn't hit the ground running like Memphis. Yeah, and this was <laughs> like Memphis. And then and this was one of the things I remember at the end of last season when we were talking about like kind of what we learned and this that was my biggest takeaway is that like too often I try and be clever and be the first person on board and try and like you know, predict who's going to blow up and when they're going to blow up and stuff. And you really just don't need to do that in FPL. Like, Kane and Kuhn are just much, much safer, more proven picks. So there's really no reason to go with Lacazette, even though I also think he's going to be great. But it's just like, when you think about Lukaku and Lacazette and and pressure and stuff like that, it's kind of hard to quantify. But just just imagine a world where... Lukaku blanks in his first three games at United and they drop some points and he like hits the bar. Like just imagine the press, imagine like the podcasts and everything. Like the entire world will be falling down around him. He'll be fucking bugging. You know, and that's that can happen to anyone. 
And it's yeah. just, I don't know. But at the same time, while we are talking about these players competing against each other for your slots, you can take a step back and look at a very heavy front three forward line where you are affording three of these players. You know, right. Maybe Kane would be the make weight, I guess, because that would maybe be a step too far. But I've seen plenty of teams that have had you know Lukaku, Lacazette, Aguero, Lukaku, Lacazette, Jesus, and it's not a threadbare team. You know, their midfield's a little light, but you can yeah, definitely. It's not, it's not horrible. And yeah. Yeah, we should point out we're both in three five two right now, so that's not a consideration. But I guess the reason I don't like that is just the inflexibility because there there are so few premium forwards that there's just you're locking yourself into this price structure kind of. I don't know. I mean you it could, could just it's a it could be switch best. away from premium mid. Yeah, it's a double switch price. away yeah. from anything, I guess. I don't but. I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's a there's perfectly nothing wrong reasonable with it, yeah. tactic. Um I've liked I guess a lot it's of teams just I've where seen you, there. I guess it's just, sorry to cut you off, it's just where you find the most value. And we kind of covered that last week, but I feel like we both agree that the mid-price mids are like really where we see a lot of value, a lot of potential growth. So we want the most mids as possible, which I guess makes sense. Yeah, and if you go power three up top, really like a big heavy front three, it's tough to fit too many of those mid-price mids because you want a premium, and all of a sudden you're shopping in the six million and under bracket for midfield. So yeah, compromise in different places. But if you see players you like in those brackets and you like your team, then that's fine. Yeah, there's no reason that team can't can, no. can't concede or compete. Yeah, and then last thing I guess let's talk about Chelsea. I mean, Costa seems like he's gone. But they still Isn't have. Isn't it crazy July. though how no one's talking about him and no one has him in their team? Yeah, it's, it seems a foregone conclusion he's out the door. It just he's ten million. He scored yeah. twenty goals last year. He's fucking incredible. Yeah, but yeah, I mean he'll probably be gone, and it'll probably be like Marata or something. I don't know if I believe these Kuhn rumors. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe that shit. But if they get a striker in at this bracket, it's not worth wasting time talking about it. But. In the future, we will talk about it because that'll be a thing. That'll be a thing. And especially it'll be most interesting, I think, if they do get someone like Marata who's just like younger and a bit more unproven because I wonder how high they'll price him because you can't price him the same as like Lacazette who's like done it for four consecutive years in in Europe and stuff, you know? Yeah, that could be real value. Yeah, all of a sudden you have like a 9 or 9.5 Marata. It could be huge. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll get there. Let's go to midfield. Um, yep. So Alexis at 12, we kind of dismissed him last week on the pod. We didn't really talk too much about him. But I think the the main thing is just for me that when he's on the wing, I don't feel like he's a very viable captaincy option. I feel like he will still have his explosions, but I don't know when they're going to come. And at 12 million, if you're not going to be someone I feel comfortable captaining, then you're not going to be in my team. Yeah, and you're not going to provide value. Because yeah. you know... In no way will Alexis like outvalue KDB by and cost two million more. It's just impossible if you just look at how how much budget we have. Two million is a big, big difference, and yep. there's just no way. Yeah. So I mean, Alexis kind of dismissed Hazard's dead. So um, why don't we start? How, with Liverpool? how long is he out for, though? I don't know. I think a few weeks at least. Yeah, he had, like, m- like first ankle month surgery. of the season or something. Yeah, he's gonna be out for a little while. Yeah. Let's start with Liverpool because Liverpool's an interesting one where they have three very solid options at Mane, Phil, and Salah, 9-5-9-9, respectively. Mane's coming off his own significant injury. Uh, I think yep. he's rejoining you guys preseason like this week or something this like week, that. Yeah. 
Phil playing in the more reserved role in the midfield three. Don't really see too many concerns from an FPL standpoint. He's still going to be at the edge of the box, still going to be firing from range like he normally does. He'll have a lot of those set pieces. Salah is the one that I am kind of thinking of as the little left field punt who might be a little valuable at nine based off of his returns for Roma and shit. What do you what do you what are you feeling for the little Yeah, the I think of the three, Salah is the probably the mo- will provide the most value just being that 0.5 cheaper than Mane. The thing with Phil, and uh, we talked about this on the text thread, I remember, guess Jason, but I don't really see his goal tally hurting that much. He's still going to be, like you said, at the edge of the box, set pieces, shooting whenever he wants, but could see the assist dip. I could see like a David Silva effect to his passing where he's always the assister to the, or the assisting the assister, like the hockey assist thing. And I could see that going down a bit because he he's really his role is really connecting the midfield to the front three whereas last year obviously he was always in the front three you know and then he would like cut in and feed someone or something like that so i don't know if coutinho's on my radar but he only had eight assists last year if that goes down he's in trouble yeah and i I, that's what i'm saying yeah so i don't really see him standing out i mane's still the best and I love him, and I wish I could afford him in my team. Maybe at some point in the season I'll have him. But Salah, just 0.5 cheaper. He has pretty much the same potential, I would say, as Mane. And that's why he's potentially the most valuable. Because he's done the... He gets double-digit goals, double-digit assists, like, pretty consistently in Roma. And he's always good in Champions League and everything. And I couldn't find stats on it, but I was curious, like, I think he draws a lot of penalties too, which is you know never hurts in fantasy and never hurts yeah, it hurts ass- if you own Milner. Yeah, it's an so, assist. Yeah, so I mean, just point five cheaper, coming off a non-major surgery, he might be he might be an option, but they're all priced a little too high, maybe just to. I think so. Well, I mean, it's fair, but as we covered last week, you see someone like Ali at nine five also, and it's just like a no-brainer. Okay, so I think I'm on board with you. I I agree. I think Phil is – I'm surprised that he's in so many teams right now just because of how low I feel like his point ceiling is. Yeah, I mean last year he was insane if you look at like his points per start or points per minute, but I think it's a more significant move backwards than than people realize. Yeah, you're paying a premium at nine. And I'm still not assured that he's just going to be rolling in, trickling in points. I don't know. And I think Mane off the he is safe, and if he's safer, but if he's has any kind of problems in preseason, Salah. I I don't like spending nine million on a punt on someone new in the league, but if he has a good couple of game weeks early doors, he's someone I'm definitely going to try and hop on very quickly if it looks yeah, like he's got I, it going I fully on. Because agree. He's explosive. He is very, I agree with Mane, I think with Mane, they have a very similar skill set. And he's someone that is very hard to deal with. So I think Saul, I'm, I'm pretty excited about Saul. I'm, I'm very hopeful to see him yeah, do well I mean, for Liverpool. By all accounts, everything I've read and heard and listened to, not just Liverpool biased things, he's fucking incredible. Yeah. And I'm very, very excited. And one thing that's kind of... I don't know. It's always hard to translate, but it seems like he's the type of player who'd be very, very good in bonus because he's like just 
in animal animal work rate dribbles take ons all that shit. he's like actually box to box like all the roma people were writing about how like he outworks nangolin and stuff when Mm. when he was on roma just like yeah tackles everything tackle fouls drawn all that shit so i don't know he's exciting he's exciting so let's go over to spurs then because they've got a couple nine fives of their own ollie and erickson ollie's on my team still Erickson, hard to imagine he's going to eclipse those 20 assists. I'm so always so fucking mindfuck about Erickson because he hit the bar a bunch of times last year and his goal tally wasn't great. His stats are always absolutely phenomenal, incredible. But I just don't know if he can really improve on what he did last season. And at 9-5, you know, he, if he hits 200-plus points again, he'll earn that. But Ali, to me... His age, how lethal and clinical he is in front of goal. I feel like he could hit over twenty goals this se- over twenty goals this season. It wouldn't be surprising to me. No, not at all. I mean, eighteen last year. Yeah. So I think for those kinds of things, I'm I'm more hedging with Ollie. I feel a little bit better with Ollie taking a step forward. I don't know if there is a step forward for Erickson. I mean, eight and twenty last year. That feels about as good as he's going to ever go. And. Um, I don't know, so I, I'm I'm in with Ollie right now, but I am still a little bit concerned with having double Spurs attack. It just seems like with the Wembley shit, it's just a little bit risky to me. So no, it's a, we're we're in the exact same boat there. Yeah, I, mean, yeah I think I agree with you with Erickson. I, it's it's really really hard to get more than twenty assists. Like KDB does it, and Ozil does it, but like you don't really see anyone getting like upper 20s and assists. There's just too many variables. You're relying on other people converting. And luckily for him, it's Ollie and Kane who are fucking... Yeah, crazy. and, you know, so he got 16 the year before that, but he'll probably be in and around there. But right. it just, yeah, the potential for upside just seems much lower. It's not like Ollie doesn't get assists. He gets a lot, too. Mm-hmm. And he could just increase in both, it feels like. Yeah. Main difference there is a lot of times with the bonus. Ollie the bonus. Does not, Ollie does not get bonus points. The bonus is ridiculous. Yeah, Ollie's 17 last year and Erickson had 30. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge difference. That's, you know, two goals and an assist. It's like a triple return difference. So yeah, we'll have to see how that goes this season. But Ollie probably more of the same in the bonus system. Can't, the, you know, can't fault either pick. They're both no, really, they're both really great. good, valuable picks. Yep. And then the last two, I mean, Ozil, 9-5, I was surprised at the 9-5. I mean, looking at him and his career, looking at the other players in and around him, he should have been nine. I mean, why? Why was Phil nine and he's nine five? They're like the fucking same. Yeah, I guess it's just like the Lacazette factor, or the bounce back factor, or something, or, or maybe it's just because he's fucking German and won the World Cup and he's on Arsenal. I have no idea. Yeah, but nine five is just like a little bit steep when you look at Ozil's kind of history, even versus Ericsson and Ali. It's very difficult to reason that Ozil's going to have a better season than either of them. Maybe he could do have a better season than Erickson if he puts a few goals in, but Ozil has his deficiencies. I mean, he did score eight goals last year, and he's that, that was pretty good tally for him. And if the assists come and he sticks in and around the eight goals, then he will probably have a better season than Erickson. But when you look at Ollie, who should be eclipsing 20 goals if he stays fit, you know, it's a tough one. I think that's a big toss up there, and I'm sure I'll have Ozil at some point, but. I mean, I think it's the positioning is probably really what it comes down to, why Ozil's 0.5 higher than Phil. I mean, 
like we said, Phil's moving back into midfield. That should dent his fantasy appeal. Fair. Versus Ozil, once they went three five two towards the end of the season, he was in, he was a machine. Yeah, he was returning every game a lot every game. Yep. So I don't know. Maybe you know Wenger pretty much said they're going to start the season three five two. Maybe Towers are just ahead of the curve, and they're just thinking, well, if that's Ozil's role going into the season, then he should be automatic. Yeah. So I mean, that has been the one big swap I've made. I took Ozil out and I put Ollie in. I, I'm, ha- I'm having a hard time about that because... Well, you love Messi. Yeah, I know, but I'm Bug just... Eyes. I know, I know. Oh, God, his eyes are huge. <laughs> I might just Bug put him back in. I do yeah. think Spurs' fixtures, first few, are a little bit tricky. I do like Arsenal's fixtures a little bit more. It's tough, dude. It's I so don't hard. have Lacazette. I like There's having so many good teams. There's so many good teams, so many good guys, but I There's like... The money influx in the Prem. There's just like yeah. so many expensive guys. I want all of them. Yeah. I just... I love This game them. used to be much easier when it was just like, okay... RVP, like whatever. Yeah, RVP, Suarez, and Rooney. Okay, easy. Fuck. So that's something I'm still going to have to look yeah, at. Yeah, I mean, it, it always seems better to diversify... Fun. I mean, diversify teams. Yes, especially the as of now, we're both <laughs> doubling city, doubling Spurs. I mean, double just, city feels. I'm of no qualms. That's those fine. Are, those are removable pillars. But I just also fucking hate Ollie. But I just my head is telling you. You hate Ollie because he dove one time against Palace, right? A hundred percent. Five hundred percent. Because there's so many other reasons to not like him. That's the only reason I but hate him. But that's the only Walsh reason, yeah. He dove so hard. And I'm sure all Palace fans, they probably have a chant about him. Yeah, he's fucking dying of fire. Deli well, Ali, speaking of a fire. chant, there's the Ali Ozil chant, so I don't know. Maybe we're all dumb. So that's one with Mesut. I think, I mean, he's also a, a huge differential. I'm not seeing him in a lot of teams. So it's the kind of thing where I'm also, if I'm not going Lukaku, and then I yeah. also don't go Ali all of a sudden, you know, a couple good game weeks there, and I'm just like, oh my God, my rank's a million. At some point, you got to just follow the bandwagon like a little bit. You can't go bit. all differentials because you'll just die. Yeah. Last guy, Kev. Yeah, I mean, should we do all the city guys or just Kev? Because he's really the only premium. Yeah, the other ones were eight five and under. I wasn't gonna, I wasn't thinking of hitting them yeah, today. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so Kev, I mean, go on. He's your favorite player. He's your ginger. He's the he's a world class player. I don't know where he's going to be playing on the pitch. I know he's going to be on the pitch. He's definitely going to miss one game in the first two months or something like that when City have group. So. If Pep rotation, a.k.a. he misses one game in two months, is causing a lot of people to be scared away, then I'm happy to be getting his points instead. But basically, he's in and around everything City does, just like we were talking about Aguero. He's going to be just returning points at a very consistent and steady stream. He's an absolute bonus point magnet. He hit the bar a bunch of times last year. He still finished up with 27 returns on the season. He had a fucking shitty ass first half, but again, you know, once City hit stride, the two main men there were him, were, were Kev Aguero, and then to a lesser extent Sane and, and Jesus. And at ten million, again, I don't think there's a ton of value there. Um, I'm trying to find value in that seven million bracket, but I'm happy to pay for his points. I think he's going to have set pieces to help him keep trickling along, and if a few of those shots he takes that hit the bar go in. He's very capable of having a 10-goal, 20-assist season, and that's sort of what I expect from him as long as he stays fit. 
Yeah, I agree with all that. And I think one thing that's worth bringing up on top of that is like, and I know I keep referencing the end of last season, which is definitely partially recency bias. Like, I'm just remembering the good times and not remembering when Kevin, like, totally fucked me earlier in the season. But it is relevant to especially Arsenal and City who didn't really hit their stride until the end of the season, kind of. Like, City started strong and then couldn't find their lineup and et cetera, and Jesus wasn't on the team yet. And then they, at the end of the season, they were just insane, and Kev in particular was insane. And then, and Arsenal's similar, you know, 3-5-2, and then they got going. But Kev finished the season so strong. And like we just said about Ericsson, his peak is probably around six to eight goals and around 20 assists, which is really good. I think he has more goals than that. Ericsson? No, Kev. Yeah. Did I say Kev? Yeah. Oh, I meant to say Ericsson's peak is around six to eight and, and 20 assists. Kev unquestionably has more goals. When you watch him, you can see it. He can finish with either foot. He can finish in front of goal. He can finish outside of the goal. He can finish on free kicks. He's another echelon of player to me quality-wise than yeah, Erickson. I Erickson is a poor man's De Bruyne. Yeah, and, 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 point, and the De Bruyne difference. Normally is, the price difference is $2 million there for those two players. Yeah, and De Bruyne is very young and what we, I think, both expect to be probably the most explosive team in the league. Not very young, but younger, with room to, to grow, probably. And, yeah, it just feels like the upside is, is really what, what we're banking on, and that's worth .5. Yep, definitely worth .5 for me. De Bruyne is, I mean, he hasn't moved yeah. from my team since I Even if his assists are down, I mean, I just can't see him not getting, like, 10 goals, 10 plus. And that's the thing, you know, he still has the set pieces, and they have, they're going to be just battering teams so much, so frequently in the prime. He's going to be trickling. And he, and he, he what's has going like, to happen, like, at Brighton first week yeah, of the season? that like, could be 4-1, easy. Easy. Yeah. All right, that's it for midfield. Um, let's, let's look back at defense. Defense, a lot of guys. Kind of broke it down by teams. I think we were really just looking at five teams here we're covering. Um, we've got Chelsea, Spurs, uh, United, City, and Arsenal. All of those kind of teams that are in and around the six million. Um, yeah. Defender price bracket kind of at the average. You know, some five five, some more than six here and there. Uh, where do you want to start? Um, we should start with Chelsea. Okay. Um, incredible run last season. We Alonzo, we're the Alonzo fan club as long as well as the Coon fan club and the Pen Fifteen club. We're we're the captains of many clubs. Um, he's in at seven million, most expensive defender in the game, and he he definitely earned it. I mean, he, he will outscore seven million mids, some seven million mids, oh, yeah. easily, no question. I don't think he'll outscore all of them, but he'll outscore some of them. And I, I see a lot of people going like four four two. And weird shit like that that usually is not good in FPL, but there's so many very, very attacking guys this season that maybe it's feasible. Um, I, I still just think from a four four two standpoint, while yes, you can easily out-argue these premium defenders are going to outscore these mid-price mids, beginning of the season's always fucking weird. And it's very... You don't see those steady clean sheets from the top sides initially, typically. And yeah, cleans are harder to come by at the beginning of the it's, season. It's just harder to predict. Everyone's turned the, up. There's a lot yeah. of unsettling preseason. The price changes time. are also a lot slower in defenders. Like, yeah. 
you see a mid like say KDB gets a double return week one. Like he's one hundred percent going up point, double point two, point three. Yeah, he'll go up point two or point three minimum. But like Alonso gets an assist or something, maybe assist in a clean, one. maybe point one. Yeah. yeah. And it's so much harder to get to Alonso that that's also a factor. But um everything else roughly the same except for Rudiger. So we don't really know what's going to happen at right wing back. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to move Dave, who's going to move around? If there's a $6 billion route in there to Chelsea, I'd probably rather take that savings and run and just go for the clean sheets than pay the premium for someone like Alonzo or, or Gaza for the goals or Moses over there on right wing yeah. back if he's still there. But I am so far not even remotely close to thinking about a Chelsea defender. I'm just the, at that price bracket also in the 6-5 plus region. I mean, you got Milner there on pens, so it's tough. That's a tough one for me to ration taking a Chelsea defender over someone like Milner on pens, you know? Yeah, and that's what I talked about last week. And someone like Milner, he's just guaranteed some goals. He's guaranteed like minimum four or five, but he might have seven seven seven. or eight. Yeah, with Salah, like, and you just can't say that. As good as Alonso is and his free kicks and everything, like, a couple of those hit the bar or whatever, he's down to three goals last season. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just he, yeah. he won't equal yeah. that. But, yeah, I don't know. They're very good. There's not much else to say about them. I can't really fault anyone having any of them. Yeah. And then we'll look at Spurs. Like, Toby got a little price drop. Rose got a price bump. Vert got a price bump. But realistically, with the Walker news going over to City at 6'5", the, the person who's coming out is Trippier. It's Trippier or bust. I mean, five five and a half. He's my. It's impossible only, to not have him. Yeah. He's my only defender over four or five in my team right now, and he's not going anywhere unless if they buy a right back who's competent enough to challenge him for first team. But when you look at Trippier's stats from when he was on Burnley in the Championship, the amount of crosses he puts in, the amount of chances create he creates, it's not that unreasonable for me to think that he could hit something like nine assists this season. Yeah, I mean, he only had six starts last season, and he had five assists. Yep. Like, he is crazy with crosses. And it takes some luck to get an assist off a cross, but when yep. the amount that he crosses, he'll get a decent amount of assists. We know Spurs are an elite defense, so not worried about the clean sheets. And It's just, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's just the first mistake, almost, that the FPL Towers made. Yeah, they should have probably expected Walker to go and then price Trippier as a starter. Yeah, I mean, you've got to price him as a starter. Like, they were, he basically was the starter to end the season last year. And you can't price Walker at 6'5 and Trippier at 5'5. Makes no sense. Yeah, well, it's good for us because he's straight in our team. It's fucking great for us. He's going to be, he's going to be really good this year, I think. But I I miss the days of Toby. Toby, yeah, yeah. But three at the back, it just like he was so much less involved. Yeah, he just when, wasn't scoring those header goals like he was two seasons ago. I those I and could, he wasn't doing the like long diagonals like like we see like Aspilicueta. That's how he gets his assists. Like I feel like when they were four at the back, Toby would really creep up a lot more because they had the extra midfielder. Right. But now he's just like he just hangs out with Vert. They just like talk about you know Belgian things. Yeah. Talk about waffles. Nutella. Um, yeah, good. Belgian things. And then we'll look at United. <laughs> Valencia yeah. at six five is just priced way the fuck out of life because he's not he's not better than the other six five guys. He probably should have been six. 
He should have been six. There's a little bit of talk about them going to like a three five two, but I yeah, don't see it at happening. all. He's never done that. You know, yeah, it's like it's Mourinho. He's not like some progressive, flexible <laughs> manager. Like he does yeah. Mourinho things and they work. So I really you got by at six, but we're all hoping that Lindelof comes in at with his 5-5 price tag and nails himself alongside by should do. Um, the one yeah. knock against him for as young as he is is he has very little attacking impetus in his career to date. So, you know, paying 5-5, five, five, you want to get a number one clean sheets, number two, the attacking returns, but it wouldn't be insane to think that he goes all year without scoring a goal. Oh, no, it's almost likely. I mean, that's not terrific. That's not what you're looking for, especially at a premium slot. And yeah. like we just talked about, Trippier is the same price. It just can't right. you can't reason one over the other. But so, maybe maybe left back value. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see who emerges at left we, back with you Rojo never know. Shaw could be five, even though it seems like Moo hates him. But Darmian or Blind Blind is always a bonus. Fucking insane fuck fest. Who knows if he nails it down. But having a piece in that United defense does feel outstanding just because they're, oh, they're fixtures. Clean, so. Also, they're fixtures. Yeah. And then, I mean, we touched on Milner quickly, but then City, I still think company at six mil is a very good pick. I mean, he was just back to vintage company last second half of last season. He was just scoring goals fucking regularly for a center back. Yeah, and I they kept really like, like four him. cleans in the last eight games or something when he came back. Yeah. Like, I don't know. They were very underwhelming defense all season, and then he came in and was just, oh, everything's yeah. fixed. They're good. Now. And I think it's going to be a combination of Ederson coming in, the amount of possession that they're going to have each game. I mean, you're you're playing City. You're not going to have more than you know three or four chances to score a goal. So, I think having a share in City defense is underrated. Like nobody has City defenders, and if I'm paying a premium, I don't mind going with Company at six. If I'm playing, if I'm looking at a four at the back situation, I'd rather you know try or and honestly, stretch to honestly Kolarov. Nah, he's gonna rotate those fullbacks. Shit's but the there are no other fullbacks. <laughs> they there, cut, they cut probably, all of them. They'll, they have to buy someone, right? Well, I mean, probably, but there's no Zab, there's no Clichy, there's no Navas, like, there's no Sanya. Like Delph at left back? Yeah, he'll do whatever. Bernardo Raz, Silva at left back. Raz at left back? Yeah, Sterling's a future Hall of Fame fullback. We all know that. But yeah, Kyle's still really highly owned. I wonder if it's leftover like Spurs fans or if it's City fans who are just excited about having yeah. him. But it just seems like any of the other defenders are just, you know, offer more value, even though Walker yeah. is good, you know. Yeah, and I, I, we expect that Stones and Otamendi are going to kind of rotate a little bit. We'll see. But if, if one of Stounch, if one of them emerges as being nailed, you know, I don't, I don't think it's that crazy to think that City are going to have plus or minus two clean sheets as United. So I think oh, that yeah. at five five, you know, that's good value to me. And like you're saying with Colorado, it's you know they're gonna have they have to buy another left back. They don't have another one on the roster, and they've been linked with Mendy and whomever. But five five for a city defender feels okay to me. Yeah, I, I actually am fully on board with you. I think they have a big bounce back year. And everyone who said that like Pep can't coach a defense is like go fuck yourself. Like they're going to be fine. Yeah. If and like if, Bravo saved any shots last season, they would have kept a lot of cleans. Yeah, a lot more cleans. So last team I think we want to cover was Ars. Ars cast. 
Ars Castle. They have the new kid Kalasinic, the Bosnian fuck. Say it. And then probably playing left wing back. They uh, have Koscielny still there, Mustafi. We don't know who what their center three is going to be if Monreal is going to be playing. Left side of the... I think or, Monreal left, left center back, yeah. Yeah, you think so? So we're going to have a 5-5 route into that defense one way or the other, it looks like. Um, right. I don't know why people are putting Bellerin in their teams. I don't get that with Ox still there. But 5-5 Monreal, I would probably rather go there or maybe Mustafi because he has more set-piece threat than paying six for Kolasinac just because I've never fucking really seen him and I don't know what he's up to. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I I also don't really know that much about him. I know he's like very highly rated, but he's also like really big and can also play center back. So I don't know if that you know looks good for a wing back, like an attacking up and down the field wing back. Yeah, Bellend. I mean, he's probably going to be now, but we don't know yet. So I think Monreal was also really really good at bonus once he was playing center back last year when they switched formation. So. Mm-hmm. I like Monreal, and he's been getting like some weird preseason assists, like sick, like fucking Hollywood Stevie G long balls over the top to like Rambo and shit. I don't know. I just love Nacho, Peter Crouch's brother. I love him. Valorant's best friend. Yeah. <laughs> so I think one thing with the defenders, while wrapping up this price bracket of the five five and plus, there's some rogue five five guys from lesser teams that we'll touch on in future pod preseason pods, but there are a lot of names to support a four-at-the-back team. I I don't personally love it. I think another big reason for me is that I, I prefer to root for my guys to score goals than to root for nothing to happen in a game and to root for a clean sheet. So that, like, from a joy standpoint, I, I usually like having, you know, the seven attackers when I can instead of six. But you can easily find four very good defenders and start them every week with the attacking threat plus fixtures plus whatever the fuck and go something like 4-3-3 with like, you know, two, four, five mids. There's a lot of formational flexibility because there is a lot of, there are a lot of good options at the premium bracket at all three positions, forward, mid, and defender. So I think it's like going to be a fun season in that regard when we're wrapping up just the premiums in general. Yeah, any anytime there's less of an obvious template, it's always fun. Like, there should be teams in all formations and all price structures who are doing well. There's no reason not to, really. Yeah. So, any other closing thoughts? I think that kind of covers all of the premium uh, goalies. Were we supposed to talk about goalies? Does anyone fucking care? Oh, yeah, goalies kind of count as defense, but we're not considering any of the premium goalies. Is yeah, that right? Not, yeah, I mean, they're all what? They're all actual 5-5 five, five, every single They're one. all actual 5-5. Five, five. Just pick whichever I, one you want. If you want Heaton, one, just Heaton is going to outscore all of them. There's no reason to not do that. If you're considering yeah. one of them, get Heaton. Yeah, I agree. Spend as little as you can on goalie. Yeah, just lowest points total. I think that's it, though. Yeah, I think we, we, we covered it. Wow, that it's, felt uh, very fucking thorough. I like this new system. New format's not bad. I'm a little concerned with next episode because there's going to be a lot more players there's to discuss. so many mid, <laughs> mid-priced yeah, mid-priced everything. Every, mid-priced is a big bracket, so we're going to have to maybe get a little bit more strict about which teams we're talking about. But And try and not ramble as much on fucking random fucks. Yeah. No. That's like our MO, though. Yeah. It might be a two-hour episode. 
two-hour pilot incoming next week. <laughs> Check us out! FMLPL.com. Follow on Twitter at FMLPL. Email us at FMLPL at gmail.com. Join our league like on Facebook right on iTunes. Cheers.